0: Denver Sports presents the Mile High Baseball Podcast. Here's Jake Shapiro of denversports.com.
1: Welcome in. It's the Mile High Baseball Podcast. I'm Jake Shapiro uh, coming to you after a week of baseball here in Colorado. It was a fun day yesterday, my first time at the ballpark this year. Always love to get out to the ballpark. And also hanging around Lodo was my really good friend. And baseball aficionado, (laughs) D-Mac from The Drive. Uh, You all know him, obviously, because this is the fan in Denver sports. D-Mac, yesterday, one of my favorite days of the year. Yeah. Just tell me about the vibe because you were outside. I was inside working. You were outside kind of having a little bit more fun, I think, than me.
0: Yeah, I was there uh, early and then had to come back to the studio. But, um, you know, listen, the opening day – is a celebration of Denver, a celebration of our city, and of a genius idea to take old burned out warehouses and turn them into a vibrant part of our wonderful town. And that centers around baseball. So, for whatever criticisms can fairly be made of what's on the field, opening day to me is more of a celebration of the creation of the Rockies and Major League Baseball in Denver. Period. Little-known fact, the original owner of the Denver Broncos, his whole goal was to get Major League Baseball to Denver. Yeah. That's why he actually bought the Broncos, because he wanted to get a stadium to bring in Major League Baseball. It didn't work out. He only owned the Broncos for one year, and then the rest is history there. But there's a long-standing tradition of baseball here in this city, even before the Rockies. So I think it's it's thrilling um, to be part of what was my unreal 23rd Uh, Opening day in Denver, Colorado. How lucky is that, huh? So
1: 31st opening day for the Colorado Rockies. Yeah. Uh, this is my eighth season now covering the Colorado Rockies, which yeah. is hilarious because look at me. I mean, yeah.
0: it's not, that, doesn't, that doesn't
1: equate. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it was really fun. And there's about three of these in the spring that are, like, celebratory Denver holidays. Yeah. It's Kentucky Derby Day. It's St. Patrick's Day. And it's opening day. And to me, opening day is as much a celebration of the fact that we are a big city and we have this beautiful yeah. ballpark as much as it is what's going on on the field. Um, I have not seen that much Rockies gear said, uh, besides postseason play in a long time. Like, it's just postseason play and opening day. Like, I'm surprised at the amount of people that actually owned Colorado Rockies gear because the entire area of Lodo was purple. Uh, I was like, Wow, I feel like I should be wearing my Troy Tulowitzki jersey right now. Uh, but, spelled
0: correctly or incorrectly? Oh, it's spelled correctly. Okay. I, I got okay. that
1: in high school. I had the mullet in high school because I loved Tulo, Tulo so was much. was your guy, huh? Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, the old PR director of the Rockies, uh, Warren Miller, Crushed me for this. So, we were doing uh, a panel of a bunch of Rockies bloggers and podcasters one time. And it was like three days after the Tulo trade. It just so happened to be, it was like a post trade deadline pot, you know, mm-hmm. panel. Uh, and none of us expected Tulo to be traded that time because there had been smoke for forever. Yeah. And the panel was a bunch of guys going, oh, this team, this yeah. franchise, yeah. we're all Frustrated. boom, boom, boom. Yes. And I was the most upset one possible because Tulo Tulo's was my sh- favorite guy. player growing oh. up. And, uh, for the entire time Warren worked with the Rockies, he'd be like, "You doing okay? Is, is the Tulo, is the Tulo thing still biting you?" And I'm like, "We got Nolan now, but now we don't." But so I, I was feeling
0: good uh, later. So well, Tulo was um, a he was our guy too in our family, and he was my uh, older son's favorite player, and my um, younger son has always wanted to wear number two. Um, now you play college ball, it gets to be something weird with the numbers. But uh, the choice is always in our family. where Tula Wiscchio and uh, Carlos Gonzalez. So we were a number five and a number two family for years and years and years and years. So I feel it. And, I've, I'm, I've, you know, it's great having some sort of heritage with the Rockies where you do feel tied into the team. So when you get to opening day, it always just feels hope springs eternal as the cliche goes. And, and yes, yesterday was a great day for the Rockies it was yeah i was
1: surprised at how well they pitched uh, kyle's been mm-hmm. really good so far through two starts this season how much of an advantage do you think it was that he got his competitive juices going with the world baseball classic for him i think it mattered there's certain guys where it hurts but for kyle he's such like a big game and big moment pitcher like that's the thing that that stinks with where the rockies are is kyle in 2017 and 2018, built them to so many important games, succeeded in so many important games. This was his third home opener. I think he's been really good in all three. Yeah. He's great when the pressure's on. So I think for him to to mentally all offseason to be like, when I start throwing, it's going to be 100% from the get-go. Yeah, yeah. So Kyle's like in midseason form right now. Do you think it's worth
0: the opposite with Bard?
1: Yeah. I think it, I yeah. think the, the particularly hitting Altuve – Mm. That got to him. Okay. Uh, I, I don't have any inside stuff on this, okay. but just based off of you know dealing with anxiety myself and other okay. people that have had anxiety, I think hurting a person would really bother me and, and make okay. me question my own command. How's he doing? Is he? Are we expecting him back soon? Or well, I know we he at? was with the Rockies in San Diego. Okay. But he wasn't around yesterday, best I could tell. Man, it, it's hard to figure out what was going on. yesterday. Well, it set, I, up, I'll be it honest. set up
0: quite a, a finish with Pierce Johnson. I didn't see that coming, but I didn't know that was the alternative. I didn't really know much about his story, but wow! I mean, how? I mean, listen, I'm, I'm hoping the best for Bard for sure. But that was an awesome story, and what a moment for him and his family, who are, I assume, he still has family in Arvada.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing about Pierce is he went to Faith Christian High School. Faith Christian's a smaller high school in terms of it's a great baseball program, but it's not a huge high school. Three
0: A, three A, three A. Okay. So you know there been a surprising amount of really good high school players playing at that three A level. Isn't Eaton three A or four A? Yeah, maybe. There's a kid Osman who went to ASU who played three A. There's there's just been some really Good players for whatever reason, maybe because high school means uh, less and less compared to club ball, for example. And just like where you go, right, for high school and whatever, you get your starts and your pitches, and then you're playing for, you know, slammers or whoever.
1: Well, and that's what I was going to say about Pierce is I knew him a little bit in high school because – in high school all the faith christian guys in the summer playing legion ball would play for boulder okay so there you go uh david, david Bodie was my starting shortstop in <laughs> high school for our legion team which that's by the awesome. way that's yeah, awesome and, and as you know d-mac you play 90 games of legion ball you play 20 of high school so you get a lot closer with your legion guys and you're with them all summer and there's nothing else going on so you're you're out you know um at the ballpark all day with them playing double headers sometimes triple headers yeah so I played in Legion Ball with Bodie and we played against Pierce. I didn't know who he was at the time, right, right, but right. I knew he was David's friend from high school. That's all right. Um, so I played him and then we played, uh, you know, Grandview with Greg Bird and, and uh, <laughs> um, uh, who was their uh, other, their, they had a really good, uh, Gossman. Oh, and okay. then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I played uh, Kyle Freeland, obviously. So I've played against that all these guys hysterical. in high
0: school. So your age and where you were at was as timed up well with all these guys who are now. Major League Baseball players. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. It's insane. And and it's, like,
1: so far been, like, the golden crop of high school players oh, out of really? college. Yeah. It's, it's been awesome. Absolutely.
0: Um, there's another good crew that's about to come through. They need another couple years. But there's – I've seen – well, um, um, uh, ah, I forgetting the kid from Dakota Ridge. Gosh darn it. Got drafted by the Rockies. Then he was traded to the Reds, came back to the Rockies. Mm. Gosh darn it. I'm forgetting his name. Uh, are you thinking uh, – the, the – uh, ah. Uh, but it's all right. And, and but, but there's him. There's uh, the Jack, Marco Gonzalez. Uh, yeah, uh, Jack Moss who's at uh, Texas A and M. He, he was at ASU. I mean, they'll, you'll hear probably another three years another group. But you were with a great group. You can't argue with that. That was an unbelievably productive group.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because you know y- your son is a legitimately. Good baseball player <laughs> I had a chance to maybe go play juco ball And I didn't really care It wasn't like I knew it wasn't a pathway forward Like I looked at am myself I, in am, the mirror Am I at your high school reunion right now The coulda, shoulda, wouldas No, I
0: coulda, no Like I, I could have I, I I been a contender coach No,
1: like who cares If you could have played juco ball I wanted to go to CU, man Like I wanted to be a well, buff But
0: you, why don't they have a baseball team, Jake?
1: You know what's funny? Uh, Tuesday when I was teaching my class uh, My students were trying to think of evergreen topics Now that basketball season has ended mm. They're like, why don't we have a, a baseball Team. A great question. And I go, I've been focused on this issue for 10 years. If you want to have an in-depth discussion, I will give you every reason why CU doesn't have a baseball program. And we can have this show. Uh, I think it's a fascinating topic, particularly because if you put a baseball program in Boulder – They would be competitive right away because of the names we're talking about and the amount of people that would want to come play. Yes. The only school in the Pac-12 without a baseball program. But you're talking about financial issues. Colorado – University of Colorado's already had a scholarship in ballots where they need to add a women's team.
0: Washington State. Yes. Okay. Oregon State, of course, is a big-time program, but not always. And Corvallis is nothing compared to Boulder. Utah Is in the pack. I call it Pac 11 for baseball. Listen, not all these programs are Arizona and Arizona State, UCLA and USC. Now, granted, Stanford, Cal, these are other good schools, but if Utah has one, come on, Jake. If UNC has a D1 program and the Air Force can figure it out, and you have such great D2 schools in Colorado like Mesa and Metro and Mines, you gotta be kidding me. It's pathetic at this point. Do you know how many D1
1: programs the University of Colorado
0: offers? Wow. Well I know it's more kind of like what they don't. I'll say twelve. It's 15, Nine women's
1: 15. in in and six men's. And that's it,
0: huh? Yeah. That's like pathetic, I said, it's a It's
1: it's really bad. And one of the yeah. things Rick George said when he took him took over as athletic director, uh he was the former uh team president or co-president of the Rangers or something like that said he wanted to add baseball he wanted to add sports that's one of the things I've crushed him on over the years right now it's not a, a great position to crush Rick George given the Deion Sanders stuff but yeah. I, I think there have been some failures in that athletic department and, and chief among them is the fact that the University of Colorado still doesn't offer baseball and more more logically doesn't offer gymnastics
0: oh I didn't know that because they every school in the Pac-12 has gymnastics and I just assumed that it's like it was like how many people, how many women are on a gymnastics, men and women are on gymnastics team? I'm talking about 15 total. Yeah. Something like that. And aside from that, you
1: already have the facilities built because all you need to put down is a mat over your basketball court. It's,
0: listen, we don't want to. Yeah. This is a pet peeve of mine too. Um, I've been lucky enough to watch a lot of Pac 12 baseball. And uh, I've been deeply involved with this stuff um, in, the, in baseball, Colorado baseball for a long time. It's an embarrassment. Frankly, it's an embarrassment for CSU, too. They, they could do better. They should have a team. Nevada has a team. Uh, the, there's there's uh, Mountain West baseball. Uh, UNLV has a team. I mean, there's there's ways to do it. And there's North South Dakota State has a team, Jake. North Dakota, the Bison have a really good team. I mean, the, the Summit League is a real thing. There's a school like St. Thomas in like Upper Minnesota or something. Good school. Somehow has a team. Yeah. I mean, there's ways to do it in cold climates. So I don't want to hear that. It's not no. a good excuse. And,
1: and it, it is just bizarre that University of Northern Colorado is the only D1 program. Well, Air in Force too. Too. Well, I always forget Air Force. Uh,
0: but that's a tricky a, one. that. Yeah. that that is because it's a different type of kid, but and it's a different type of school too. It is, and listen, I know they, but they do have a D one program.
1: And one of my and, one of my friends' little brothers actually plays for that team. Uh, he's a great young pitcher, might get drafted. His name is Jimmy uh, Strider. So watch out for that. But all those um, kids
0: that really go to Air Force, yes, they're good baseball players. They wouldn't be there playing if they weren't. No doubt, and they it's just games. more but federal. There's, you yeah, well, more, there's, there's yeah. clearly other reasons why you would be playing baseball at air force clearly you're you're a different cut above most that's right. for sure um so I, w- I
1: went back and watched coffee break yesterday which was great it was our opening day coverage we had a lot of fun we got commended on it do you know how many current rockies we named on the show oh my gosh uh probably five two <laughs> uh we mentioned freeland and Blackman. <laughs> And oh, did not mention
0: Chris Bryan?
1: We didn't mention we did Chris Bryan. We
0: didn't talk about uh Tovar? No. Didn't get didn't get Ryan McMahon in there? No. Marquez, no. And, and, and it's That's funny
1: because like obviously on this show we'll go a little bit more in depth and uh but you know, you, you talked about going around the ballpark yesterday and, and going around Lodo. It was Tulowitzki, it was Walker, it was Helton, it was Cargo, oh, it was Arenado yeah. jerseys. Yeah. There just isn't a lot of uh and, uh, name recognition and star power on this team currently. Yeah. Uh, and Eventually, maybe it will come with Tovar, and if Bryant plays a full season, it will come. Uh, my favorite Rocky, at least for the last couple of years, has been Ryan McMahon. Okay. And Ryan was a microcosm to me of the bigger problem with the Rockies yesterday, and I was just waiting for the bullpen to blow that game. I, I was. I was waiting for the bullpen to blow that game, and everyone was going to be like, oh, the bullpen. You know what? The Rockies scored one run, and it wouldn't have happened without the Sun. And it was because of Ryan McMahon, and again, further, their approach at the plate was awful. A lot of strikeouts
0: yesterday. A lot lot of aggressive, non-contact positive uh,
1: swings. Josiah Gray led Major League Baseball in home runs allowed Mm and walks conceded last year. Mm -hmm. The Rockies saw 21 pitches in the first inning. Four were in the strike zone, and they didn't score a run. Oh. They, they, they were swinging all over the place. I didn't have the time to actually count this, but I can tell you against Gray, I think he faced, you know, about three times through the order, so 27.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he had— he I, faced, I, uh, Yeah, go ahead. Uh, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to say
1: that of, like, the 24 guys he faced, 16 or 17 of them were first-pitch swings.
0: Well, I got—he he faced 27 guys and there had 14 first-pitch strikes. So, he was ahead on more than half the batters that he faced. He only walked one batter. And as I'm looking at the numbers, he had six strikeouts. So, a guy that, if you know, and you're ahead of me on this stat, but that's not showing an awful lot of patience. Then again, what is your approach? Ryan McMahon struck out three times, I think, too. So, not, not his great for him. first at bat, he at least
1: got to a deeper count but it was one of the worst at-bats I had seen, and then he followed it up with like a three-pitch just god-awful at-bat of him just swinging all over the place. Um, But there is a positive to that as well, and I think it's a guy like Tovar where you, you don't tell him anything. He goes out there. He sees his teammates' first pitch swinging. He's first pitch swinging, but after the game you maybe go, That guy led Major League Baseball in walks last year. Maybe change your approach. And this is why this season, I think, is interesting because it is about playing the kids. It is about having the kids make mistakes in low-pressure situations. Obviously, yesterday, sold-out crowd. A little bit different of a situation. But throughout the course of the season, you're going to have times where Tovar and Montero and then eventually Veen make mistakes. And it's going to be okay because these games don't actually matter for the Rockies right now. It's going to be about Bud Black having that long leash and giving them the chance to make those mistakes. And what I've really liked so far is Moustakis has only gotten one start Mm -hmm. that I remember. I thought he was going to come in here and take all the playing time away from Montero. He hasn't so far. So the Rockies are really actually buying into this development thing. Even down to Bud Black, who historically, you know, like most managers, is going to tend to play veterans.
0: Do you think McMahon will just stay at second base or they'll they'll move move some folks around?
1: This is an interesting question because when Rogers comes back, who's won a gold glove at when, second when's base. When's he expected to come back? Maybe at the end of the season. He might be lost okay. for the year. But, yeah, that's
0: what I thought. Yeah. But
1: you're going to get You I mean, Rogers is part of the future. McMahon's part of the future. He signed an extension. Tovar mm-hmm. Montero. Yeah. So we've got four infielders. Uh I think the obvious answer is you're going to put Ryan McMahon at first base. First base. What are we doing with Toglia? Uh, Toglia is going to be an outfielder. What are we doing with Crone? Crone's going to be gone.
0: Crone's going to be gone. I mean, this isn't we're, we're this, getting, isn't, we're, this we're, isn't this year. <laughs> this is in the future. <laughs> okay, so we're getting rid of our one All Star who just got National uh, National League Player of the Week. The great part of fantastic Major Jake <laughs> that that seems uh, uh, that seems on par. The great part of Major League
1: Baseball is you will always have one All Star. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Krohn is – really, you think they're just going to get rid of him, huh? Um, I, I think this – they just have not made those trades at the deadline where they sell a guy. <laughs> I think Crone would be the candidate. I think he's up on contract at the end of the year, but – it, it would just make all too much sense for them to eventually move on from Krohn. Uh I mean, he's in his 30s. By the time the Rockies are contending for playoffs again, which let's just say rough timeline, it's not going to be this year, probably not next year, so two years from now, three years from now, Crone's mm-hmm. likely not that guy anymore. So totally has the athleticism playing the outfield? Yeah, I think he's playing outfield in the minors right now. Is
0: that right? Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I just know him from, uh, you know— Big first baseman out of UCLA. And the, the time that he has spent with Rocky strikes out way too much, obviously. He's got to get that together. And uh, Ryan McMahon. It, Ryan McMahon is just a really, really solid major league baseball player who can play literally any position on the field. And that's what I like about him.
1: He's got some nice pop. He plays any position. He's really athletic. Yeah. He's a good dude. Um He's a guy that can be on any Major League Baseball team. If you're talking yes. about a World Series contender, he's probably the 10th guy who starts most days but actually isn't a starter if you're legit. running out your best line. He's, but he's, he's legit. He's
0: definitely legit. And he's great against right-handed pitching. Chris Bryant is obviously more than legit. He's got to be the guy. His at-bats yesterday were good.
1: Okay. He looked locked in. Okay. He was okay. seeing the ball well. Uh, you could tell on the RBI single he had that drove mm-hmm. in Tovar. Very balanced, very solid, yeah. you know, great approach. That entire at-bat, I'm like, he's hitting one left center. Like, you just you knew it. Like, you could see it. Um, and, you know, he, he poked that one out. That was out of the zone for the double down the line, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel good about uh, where Chris Bryant is right now. He still hasn't at all run at Coors Field, which is quite amazing. Uh, but thats I feel like that's going to start to turn into, if that continues, more of this is a weird baseball statistic than it is an indictment of Chris Bryant being bad because his power numbers actually have been good on the road when he's been healthy.
0: Yeah, I'm, I, I guess I'm not really. Listen, when it comes to the Rockies this year, Jake, I think we want to see more positives than negatives, and you want to see good development. I just don't know how they succeed without – really hitting on um drafting developing pitchers and i just don't think any pitchers with free agent possibilities any other place are going to come here so you got to get unbelievably lucky sort of like they got lucky with bard i mean let's face it that was kind of absurdly lucky and even now we'll see where it goes but to me it's all about um the starting core pitching and you know what okay Freeland's homegrown. Marquez is homegrown. Okay, I mean, how many more of those guys that do we have here? Because when you really look at it, are, are the Rockies going to lose games because of bad fielding and bad hitting? It doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah, and, and I, I was going to bring that up in a second,
1: but okay. one of the things that made that seventeen eighteen run so good was the pitching. It was the best pitching the Rockies have ever had. Yeah. And it was Marquez who was kind of homegrown, but they got unbelievably lucky on in a trade and it, it worked out well. Freeland who was entirely homegrown. Gray who was entirely homegrown. Yeah. Chatwood who was a reclamation project, kind of homegrown. Anderson homegrown. And you look at the Rockies' pipeline right now, and there aren't pitchers coming. Like that's what scares is that me. Right? Is And that's why I think this Tovar-Montero-Veen situation could get mm. very cargo tulo where it's like, we've got a couple guys, but there's no pitching. And I'll have you name all of the Rockies' homegrown, really good relievers they've had over the last 10 years. Oh,
0: go ahead. Relievers? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> there's two that I can think of. Relievers, so you're talking relief in any um, sort of spot that really were bullpen guys, you know. So like Freeland worked out of the bullpen a little bit. Relievers, I'm struggling.
1: Um, Scott Oberg and Carlos Estevez. Those were the only major league level. Where is Estevez
0: now? I forgot, but he signed else. I think he's with maybe the Giants. You know, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that I just never understood. Big bull of a man throws 100 miles an hour. You know, um, and Oberg. Well, Oberg had health issues. I don't know if that's. He's done. Where was Adovino? Ottavino Vino was, was, was he, a reclamation project. He was a
1: starter with the Cardinals, came over here, okay, okay. Uh, and, and they turned him into something. So he, he kind of is, but not kinda. really. So that was one where they got lucky like Bard. Yeah. So my point being is yeah. if the Rockies are to replicate what they did in seventeen eighteen 18 and, and make postseason runs in the future, it's going to come down to pitching, and it's going to come down to developing your own relievers. They tried to spend the most amount of money possible on relievers back then. Mm-hmm. That did not work. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got to get lucky— and develop them. I think those are the only uh, hopes for your bullpen, but finding guys like Kyle Freeland, and I think the Colorado thing does help, where he's just got this tremendous fortitude of, it doesn't matter if I allow one or two, yeah. we're likely going to score a bunch because we're in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. Herman Marquez has found a way to pitch around um, you know, using fastballs and sliders and not using his curve as much here. So I, I think it's going to take a really smart pitcher. I actually loved the way John Gray pitched in Denver, and then on the road, it would be a completely different pitcher, basically, mm-hmm. and it was Good both versions. So it's going to be about that. And and you mentioned fielding and defense. I didn't think that the defense was particularly amazing the last time the Rockies were good. Obviously, Nolan was great. You know, going back to DJ at second base, their infield was good. The last time the Rockies had a rangy, athletic outfielder was, I don't know. Like, they haven't had a really good outfield defender in a while. And that's what made Jerks and Profar such a nice pickup for them mm-hmm. because I just wanted to see how that played out at Coors Field, which is the largest outfield Major League Baseball. And you look yesterday, and he made three awesome plays. Awesome,
0: love it. Well, okay, fine. Uh, you know that has been <laughs> that has been a weird deal over the years. You know, and and, and, it, and it's weird with Coors Field. It's not. Sometimes the extra base hits or even the home runs. What kills you sometimes are just those the, the singles that would just be outs in other ballparks that just keep rallies going or what should be a single, and because it's just so deep, it's a double. It's, it's nowhere close to touching the fence, but it's a double, anyways. That would only be a single. So singles that would be outs and uh, uh, doubles that would be singles. And, and then it's just, you know, it just drives you bananas when there's stuff like that. And that doesn't have anything to do with the home runs. I don't know how you stop it. It's one of the quirks of the ballpark. It's just, what are you going to do? You know, um, I do think it is fascinating. And I think James Merillat brought it up. And I'm I'm open to it because I'm open with anything. With the rule changes and the stopping of the shift and the lengthening of the bases, the uptick in stolen bases, and the fact you can't throw over as much as you did. Should the Colorado Rockies... Go to a more quick, speed sort of lineup and get away from um, the Blake Street Bash Bombers, that sort of thing. They've needed to for 31 years, and the
1: only times they've been successful is when they've built teams to be successful on the road. Mm. Teams that are good at the fielding, teams that are good at base running, teams that are good at pitching. Because eventually the power is going to come. One thing that's in common with every single time the Rockies have been to the playoffs is they've had a great road record. Mm-hmm. And their home record was just okay. The Rockies' best home seasons have not actually amounted to much in terms of their overall record. And just to make out your point on uh, on singles and things falling between – Jonathan Daza starts 326 feet uh, away from the plate, which is six feet shy of the furthest back center fielder in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. He's in the top 20. So, like, the way the Rockies position their fielders, and rightfully so, is they have to be that far deep,
0: yeah. which makes me think. Because they're protecting the gaps the best they can.
1: Right. Which makes me think I would want a guy like a Billy Hamilton in his prime here, yeah. where he is able to cover so much ground in center field, and then he gets on base and he wreaks havoc on the bases. And guess what? That puts all the pressure on the pitchers where all of a sudden they're going to leave one over the plate and boom it's a double in the gap for Chris Bryant so I've long thought the best way to build a baseball team that's going to be successful in Denver is to have great fielding great base running in pitchers that are just lights out and obviously pitchers that are going to be slider dependent and slider as their as their strikeout pitch instead of a curveball mm-hmm. or maybe even a changeup up uh, as their strikeout pitch like Kyle Freeland has developed over time so th- that's that's the goal but when you look at what the Rockies have right now for their future core, yeah, Tovar's looks like he could be a good defender. He's How's very speed? athletic, not fast. Okay, interesting. Montero is not a good defender. So qu- oh, Montero's not a good defender. He's playing no. third base, not a good defender. Okay, that's a that's a problem. Yes. So you you, you could actually now that I said it, you could and get in a situation where Montero goes to first and McMahon goes to third. Could end up in that situation. McMahon speeds
0: okay. Eh, it's fine. <laughs> So, so, he's – well, I mean, Nolan was never fast either. So, you know that that wasn't his deal. He's just a, a you know plus. Yeah, but you know who was
1: Trevor Story was one of the fastest guys in Major League Baseball. Trevor Story was fast. Um,
0: Brendan Rogers' speed is solid. It's decent. He's plus speed. You got to have that guy in center field and maybe maybe right field. You know those those two spots. Second base is tricky because I guess that's Brendan Rogers' spot for a long time. Yeah. And mm, his speed's okay. So they're really not set up the right way to take advantage of these situations. And, 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 and it's the National League with the DH now, bro. So you're not going to, who was the DH last night? Uh, Charlie. There you go. Chuck. Chuck was the he's DH. the DH every
1: night, basically.
0: You think that's where he's going to be? Yeah. At Coors Field for the most part?
1: Did you notice, by the way, yesterday, um, gonna lose your love. Pitch clock. All right. We got to keep going. Really? Yeah, I did not notice I, that. Yeah. The, fan, the fans had to sing the song because the pitch clock is moving so quick that they didn't have enough time to get the
0: walk, in, oh, that's walk hyster- up in. I did not know that. That's yeah. hysterical. Yeah. Well, oh, well. So the, the the
1: Jumbotron guys were like trying to figure out where to start the song in the middle. Like, like you could tell the third at bat, it got a little cl- like later <laughs> in the song so the fans could cheer.
0: Oh, that's funny. I did not notice. Listen, I love Charlie Blackman, but I hate, I love Charlie Blackman. It's Charlie Blackman. He's here. It's Charlie Blackman. But the, the problem I have with Todd Helton at the end of the day is how many other teams would this guy start for? Not just play for, start for. Not come off the bench and, you know, like a Giambi sort of situation. How many teams would Charlie Blackman start for? And the answer with Todd Helton, sadly, at the end of his career was, was nobody else. And you just cannot have guys on your team when the answer is nobody. So let me put it to you. How many teams at his age, his abilities right now, and I'm glad to see Chuck have a pretty good beginning of the season, but how many other teams do you think Charlie Blackman would really start for right now?
1: Four or five.
0: Okay, so at least that's something. Yeah. I mean, at least it's something. And the thing
1: is, too, Even a team like the Astros against right-handed pitching would start Charlie Blackman as a platoon DH because historically as a left-handed hitter, he has crushed right-handed pitching. Uh, and he 's actually not got the, the most severe splits over his career they've they've started to get a little bit more severe later in his career, so I think Charlie would be a useful piece for most teams still, but we 're talking about a guy who can no longer really play the outfield, whose power 's going, who had really good speed early on in his career yeah. before he was hurt yeah. but it really wasn 't a factor even in his prime so a lot of the things that made Chuck Chuck are gone, and it 's just Here's a guy wearing a beard, and the fans love him.
0: And this is where it gets frustrating because as much as we all love Charlie, we do, right? I mean, we can start having conversations about retiring his number and all that, and it'd be interesting to break down Hall of Fame chit chats It's probably not quite enough for Chuck, but definitely not. It would be it would be an interesting sort of conversationalist. Anyways, how much reps do you give to a guy that's a fan favorite and people come to see? There's no doubt about it compared to getting reps for guys who need to develop. And that's the conundrum, of course, with the Rockies period. It's about winning and about doing stuff for the fans. And um, and there's no doubt playing Charlie Blackman does something for the fans. No doubt about it. But how much does he really do for your future when there really is no future with Charlie Blackman anymore?
1: Yeah, uh, and, and that's the question. But the, the, the
0: question to... Ask as a follow up is who are you playing instead of Charlie Blackman? And well, this, totally. You know, somebody like that. I mean, where, where's Zach well, Veen going to play eventually? You know, what are you going to do with Montero, you know, if you want to get him reps and he's not playing in the field? And these questions know, might like come that. later this season, but for me, like
1: the answer with Toglia is he's playing instead of Jonathan Daza.
0: Okay. That, that one's easy. Uh, all right. Um, and, you know, the, it, it may push, may come to shove when Veen comes up. You know, and, that's when things get interesting. Yeah. And, and he's, I know what they're doing with the financial, all that. What Chris Bryant went through years and years ago, because there, I have no doubt Zach Veen could be with the Rockies right now, and it's smart because the Rockies didn't do
1: that with Trevor Story and look what happened—they lost him a year earlier than they would have, uh, and they could have used him that year because they ended up having to sign Jose Iglesias, who was not very
0: useful. How old is Veen right now? What 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 is he at? Ah, uh, who's who's older, Tovar or Veen? It's, it's got to be some, It's got to be somewhat close. Uh, Zach
1: Veen is twenty uh, a couple days older. So <laughs> Look at that. It's really close. How crazy is that? Uh, huh? Just because I'm looking at it, too, I, I did want to mention uh, Nolan Jones has been awesome Don't so far. Don't know about him.
0: Talk, talk to me about Nolan Jones. So
1: they traded one of their higher prospects for Nolan Jones this offseason. Nolan Jones, kind of a prospect himself, and only played you know, a cup of coffee in the majors last year for the Indians. Guardians, sorry. Mm. Um, and uh, speaking of that, I'm going to be the last person doing that because I'm like the youngest person calling baseball. So people <laughs> are going to be like when I'm 70, like that Jake Shapiro stuck in his old ways, <laughs> calling it the disabled list and them the Indians. I'm like, no, I do- I, I'm sorry. That's how I grew up. Um, but yes, uh, so Nolan Jones uh, comes over in a trade. Gets sent down was like one of the last cuts from the big league opening day roster. Okay. Um didn't do all that well in spring, but he has been mashing so far in Albuquerque. He has okay. a couple home runs. Good, great. And he's gonna be a factor. He's actually uh placed third base a little bit, another Nolan who plays third base. Uh looks like he could be a good player. I know from some reporting that I did yesterday, the reason he's down in the minor leagues right now is he's got to work on some mechanical issues okay. and they don't want him to work on those in the big league level and lose confidence at the same right. time. That just kind of it's hard to work on mechanics while you're in the big league level and uh, while you have the ability you might as well throw them down to the minors um Veen so far, by the way, he's he's been playing for Hartford to start the season. Uh, he has only played in one game. Hartford uh, had their season opener the other night, so okay. uh, we're not sure on Veen, but you would expect Veen to quickly get the call up to AAA, mm-hmm. and then at some point this summer to crack the big league roster. Right now, he's the 34th best prospect in baseball, according to Baseball Prospectus. Okay, okay. Um, good stuff. Yeah, so and, and he's going to play right and left. So you're again with Toglia. That's when it becomes interesting with Chuck because then you can move maybe Chris Bryant to DH a little bit. Right. You put Veen in right, or you put Veen in left okay. or right, Toglia the opposite, and then you move Profar over to center because he's got a great glove. That sounds good. And then you like you start developing. And by the way, like that's a big league outfield: Toglia, Veen, and uh, uh, Profar. Mm-hmm. And your infield, if Rogers was healthy, of Tovar, Rogers, McMahon, Montero. Is a major league infield. Yeah, like, and you do. Um,
0: Diaz is a catcher. Is, it's all right. He's, sure. He's, he's okay. Yeah, you're, you're okay there. Yeah. And this is why uh, Hope Springs Eternal for the Rockies. And you you start getting excited about, you know, what – because they really do have high-level quality players. They do. So if you wanted to give Bill Schmidt and the Rockies a, a little bit of credit, there there you go. But then again, you scare the crap out of me when you say there's no pitching, and when you say there's no pitching, and there's no pitching in the minors, and the depth is whatever. So you just said Zach Veen is the 34th best prospect. Okay, that's great, actually. What pitching prospect is the highest ranked pitching prospect for the Colorado Rockies? Boy, if you really have that, I'll be. Uh, Let me look. I'll be slightly impressed. Yeah, uh, you can so, you so know, Google finger that one. Rockies' top pitching prospect.
1: Is their sixth highest prospect. It's Gabrielle Hughes, who right now is in high A, and his estimated time of arrival in the majors is 2025. He's 21 years old. He was taken in the first round uh, last summer. So, like, that's the other thing, DMAC, is it's their pitchers. Their next top pitching prospect is their ninth best prospect. He's also in high A, not expected till 2025. (sighs) So, they've got some good big leaguers. Are, are good minor leaguers and good prospects towards the high end of their minors, mm-hmm. but they're all hitters. All their pitching prospects are in the low minors. Their next pitching prospect is an A ball. He's yeah, and 19 here's, years here's old. what happens: their next one is nineteen year old in a A ball. And so, like, and here's what happens, everybody:
0: they trade these guys. <laughs> these are the guys that they get rid of for uh, who knows what, you know, for a veteran reliever, something like that. This and these are the guys. You, you seriously can't afford to let go of. Yeah. So hopefully they don't trade him. But that's a problem. You know, that's a big problem. That's a, a major gap. And so the guys that you have, let's go. I like Lawrence, too, man. I know he's all over the he's place. Awesome. He does throw 100 miles an hour from a quirky arm angle. So it's, it is a different look. You know, on the surface, you'd say, this guy should be fantastic. And he's got a wipeout pitch. Uh, I I think
1: Justin Lawrence is going to be the future closer of the Rockies. Like,
0: they've got some pieces in their
1: bullpen that I think moving forward are going to be factors. But... There's a reason why Jose Urania is going to pitch tonight, and there's a reason why he's in the rotation. It's because the Rockies don't have anyone else, and they're hoping for the best. There's a reason why Denison Lamette is a reclamation project here. It's because they don't really have anybody else. Uh, it's going to be a while. Like, Kyle Freeland and Herman Marquez are going to be part of this rotation if Herman Marquez is re-upped after the year for a while because the Rockies simply don't have better options. So uh, that's, like, long-term outlook look at the Rockies. Short-term outlook uh, look at the Rockies is they've got Washington this weekend, obviously. They've got St. Louis next week, which will be interesting, obviously, mm-hmm. because they're one of the better teams in baseball. Nolan, Paul Goldschmidt, all yep, yada, yada. Yep, yep. Uh, and then the next time I talk to you, it's going to be right before the Rockies face the Seattle Mariners over the weekend next weekend, which will be fun because it will be Julio Rodriguez and the Seattle Mariners. And that was one of the best stories of last season. By the way, the Seattle Mariners' playoff drought ending has hurt the Denver Broncos because now the Broncos look more inept. Um You know, it's the fan. we got to talk a little Broncos even
0: on the baseball (laughs) podcast.
1: (laughs) Um, He's Dmac. I'm Jake Shapiro. Thanks so much for joining Mile High Baseball Podcast Episode 3. Rockies right now um, are 3 and 4, likely to be above 500 by the next time we talk, uh, unless the St. Louis Cardinals just open a can of uh, you-know-what on them. So thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you very soon.